Why is soccer so beloved around the world? The storylines. While most major sports, American sports, have storylines too, we're only working with one league, around 30 teams. In soccer, there are five major European club leagues with 20 teams each league. England, Spain, Germany, France, and Italy holding most of the Titans. There's also Portuguese and Dutch teams that are fairly high quality as well. In each of these leagues, the winner is simply who won the most games at the end of the year. There are also simultaneous knockout tournaments that result in a cup winner. For the creme de la creme, there is an inter-European cup called the Champions Cup, where the top teams from each European country play each other to see who is the best in the whole continent. These teams don't just have players from those specific countries, but they can come from anywhere in the world. You may be wondering about Brazilian and Argentinian leagues. Those leagues are in a place where they create world-class talent, but the financial situation is nowhere close to that of Europe. So the young talents there, of the likes of Neymar back in 2013, get lured away to Europe, where the money is, and then they compete for their home countries on the international stage. Which brings us to the World Cup. This is where things can get very interesting throughout the year, as players from rival club teams might play together on national teams, such as Real Madrid and Barcelona, one of the biggest rivalries in the world. A lot of those guys are teammates on the Spanish national team. As you can see, so much overlap, so many storylines, and I'm here to help guide you towards the most interesting and crucial info you need for this World Cup, the most watched event in the world. All right, thank you all for joining me on Sidekickback Radio. I know it's been a while since I've um, released an episode. I, I was recently listening to a podcast that shall not be named because I love it, but um, they were talking about the World Cup and their excitement. This has nothing to do with sports, by the way, this podcast. But they were talking about the World Cup, and I thought to myself, I, I mean, I was shouting at the radio because they were leaving out such vital information that I think makes this sporting event so interesting time after time that it's played. I decided to take it upon myself to clue you into some of these incredible storylines um, that will make each match maybe a little more interesting to you and, and hopefully turn you on to the beautiful game um, that the world loves so much. I know that in America it's growing, but we're definitely far behind the rest of the world, so I'm here to do my part. So thanks for joining me, and I hope I can get you excited about some of the matches coming up. Um, there's always something interesting, but I will admit there's a few boring matchups out there in the schedule, but can't avoid that. You got to give um, whoever earned the spots in the World Cup, you got to give them their chance. So anyways, this is a podcast meant for the average person that wants to be interested in the World Cup, but can't really figure out what's going on or, or why it's important to watch one match over another. And um, if you're an expert soccer fan, great. I'm glad to have you here. Thanks for listening. But um, uh, things will be kind of kept pretty mellow uh, so that um, those of you who aren't huge fans of soccer can uh, get a little more interested. So without further ado, we're going to review the first match. So I decided to start this actually after the World Cup has started. Uh, I guess, you know, timing is everything. But um, so Group A, we had Russia versus Saudi Arabia. And um, a less than stellar matchup to kick off the tournament, to be honest. But uh, what can you do when the host nation gets the first game? Uh, whatever country is hosting um, gets automatically qualified for the tournament and plays in Group A, the first match of the of the tournament to kick things off. It's it's very ceremonious. Uh, today, Russia beating Saudi Arabia 5-0. Uh, some of the goals were great to watch, um, which can sometimes happen in these matchups of David versus not really Goliath, but uh, David's bigger brother, let's say. Um, Russia has a few solid players, and they've got the home field advantage, which actually makes things interesting in Group A, 
uh, it's going to be a fun one to watch because Egypt and Uruguay can provide some quality in the fight for the top two. For those who don't know, uh, each group is made of four teams, and the top two of each group advance to the round of 16 and make it to the knockout rounds. So um, they basically each play each other once, so that's three games each team plays, and whoever has the most points, three points for a win, one point for a draw, zero points for a loss, whoever has the most points at the end of the group stage, and the second team with the most points uh, advances. Yeah, so uh, let's move on to the interesting part, which is the preview of tomorrow's three matches. All right, the first match of June 15th is the other Group A matchup, Egypt versus Uruguay. Uh, It's actually quite interesting. Egypt has never really been a top contender from the African continent. It's normally dominated by the likes of Ivory Coast and Nigeria. Uh, But this year, that all changed thanks to one man. His name is Mohamed Salah. He had an incredible year for Liverpool FC, scored so many jaw-dropping goals in the English Premier League. His brilliance alone makes you think that Egypt has a fighting chance as we all thought Liverpool had a solid chance in the European Champions Cup. If you remember before, that's the Intra-European Club Championship. It's basically the creme de la creme. All the top European teams play each other, and it ended up being um, Real Madrid from Spain versus Liverpool from England. It was actually kind of surprising that Liverpool made it that far, and it was on the back of Mo Salah and his brilliance. In that final match, um, Salah actually had to leave due to an injury early on in the game. Um, Spanish center back Sergio Ramos for Real Madrid, he went in on a pretty physical challenge on Salah, and Salah ended up going to the ground on his shoulder, and he suffered some ligament damage. Consensus seems to be that the tackle was physical, but still legal, and the resulting injury is just unfortunate. And it was. I think everybody, fans of both teams, even Sergio Ramos, I think, just a little bit, uh, we were all sad to see Salah go off so early because it meant the game lost a big producer of quality. Um, the game would be just a little less interesting, and the pendulum swung in Real Madrid's favor. Um, I mean, they ended up winning their third consecutive European title that night. So, um, you know, once that injury happened, I think everybody realized um, it's probably going to be Real Madrid's cup to win. Anyways, uh, I think we're all going to be watching uh, his shoulder to see if it affects his play at all. Um, If it doesn't, then Egypt should be firmly on his shoulders and be taken on a nice little run that we're all excited to watch. For Uruguay, um, they're led by two fantastic world-class strikers, Edinson Cavani and uh, Luis Suarez, the biter. (laughs) He has received multiple suspensions for biting players on multiple occasions uh, in the middle of a game as part of a way to get inside their heads, maybe. Who knows why he did it? Um, But yes, he has a tendency to bite his opponents um, and has been suspended for it. Besides those two strikers, Uruguay has solid players all around in each position. They've always produced great play. Um, So with that in mind, my call for Group A, I think Russia and Uruguay will advance as I think that they have enough defensive quality to handle Mo Salah. As brilliant as he is, um, when he plays with Liverpool, he's got a lot more talent around him. In Egypt, um, there's not as much talent, so I think it'll be too much of a task for him to carry them. On to the next match, which is the first of Group B. It's going to be Morocco versus Iran. And, uh, you know, it's not a huge match by any stretch, but uh, Morocco has some quality players that play at the club level for some of the biggest in the world. Uh, Mehdi Benatia is at Juventus in Italy. Ashraf Hakimi is a backup at Real Madrid. Um, But um, the more interesting team, I think, is Iran, surprisingly. I mean, despite all set politics aside, um, they're coached by Carlos Queiroz, who is a, a Portuguese coach, and he's very good pedigree. I mean, he managed Madrid 
for a year. Um, he was an assistant manager at Manchester United. I mean, he's coached on some pretty big staffs. Um, so he's got uh, a wealth of knowledge. And Iran has proven that they have a history of stunning teams. Um, the under-17 Iranian team beat Germany 4 to nothing in 2017 in the under-17 World Cup. Um, and I personally remember in the last World Cup in 2014, they, in the group stage, held off Argentina, a team led by Lionel Messi, one of the two best players in the world. And uh, and they held him off for 90 minutes. It was 0-0 for 90 minutes until Messi broke through at the very end. But it was a, it was a very big stand. And uh, in that group, it was Bosnia and Herzegovina and Nigeria, Argentina and Iran. So the spec- second spot was definitely up for grabs. And uh, they made a very uh, valiant effort. The last of the matches tomorrow is a big one. Portugal versus Spain. Um, this is definitely the biggest game of the tournament so far, match number four. Um, and that was even before all the drama hit this week. Um, they have a new coach as of yesterday. Yes, the day before the tournament begins, new coach. Spain was coached by uh, Julen Lopetegui up until Wednesday, uh, the day before the game's openings. Why the change? Well, uh, the storylines, people. When Real Madrid won their third title in May, uh, their manager, Zinedine Zidane, yes, of headbutting fame, uh, stepped down from one of the most prestigious and toughest jobs in club soccer. From what we can gather, and this is my opinion, um, the top two reasons are that he wants to go out on top and he needs a break from the exhaustion that is managing egos at the club of Galacticos or Galactic Stars, like Cristiano Ronaldo and uh, Welsh star Gareth Bale. Um, so who is taking the job? Julen Lopetegui. When Lopetegui called the Spanish Football Federation president to let him know before the press did, the phone call seemed to mysteriously deteriorate into Lopetegui being fired from the national team. Spain has had a rough few years that followed its best years. They dominated world football between 2008 and 2012, winning the European Cup in 2008, the World Cup in 2010, and the European Cup again in 2012. That's three very important tournaments in a row. However, in 2014, be it because of aging stars or complacency, at the World Cup in Brazil, they didn't even make it out of the group stages. And in the last major tournament, Euro 2016, they did only slightly better, losing to Italy in the round of 16. They need some redemption, and they just rocked the boat big time. So uh, their first match is far from easy because they're taking on Portugal. Led by talisman Cristiano Ronaldo, one of the other two best players in the world, they've always been a team that people seem to go, uh, why don't they win more? Between his brilliant play and other quality players in the side, uh, most starters are at major European clubs. You would think they would have more silverware. The closest they got for World Cup was fourth place in 2006, followed by a round of 16 and group stage exits. So they so they decreased as far as how well they did. Um, in the European Championship, which is all the best national teams from Europe, um, they were runners-up in 2004, semifinalists in 2012, and then finally in 2016, they won the European Cup, beating host country France. That's right, on their turf, it was a huge win, and with everybody putting their money on France, uh, I mean, it was just a pretty big victory. So momentum is on Portugal's side, um, as, you know, they seem to be finally realizing their potential that everybody expected, and they hold the top European prize. So between Spain's drama and Portugal's momentum, it should make for a very interesting matchup, and everybody was curious to see how Spain reacts to all this drama. Yeah, uh, my call for Group B is actually that Portugal and Spain 
They have the quality. Uh, Iran may get a draw out of one of the Giants, but it, I don't think it'll be enough, and Morocco will just struggle. So I think Portugal and Spain are making it out of this group. All right, so that's it for the first episode of this World Cup tangent. What can I say? I'm excited for the World Cup. Very excited. It's a month long of, of great quality um, play in the beautiful game. I don't care if you call it soccer. I don't care if you call it football. I just care that you enjoy yourselves. Please watch out for spoilers. Uh, make sure you let people know if you recorded at home. And uh, I'll see you next time when we preview Group C.